This is Nick Kurita, your host. I'm very happy to welcome you to Bible Study Time. We are going to approach a very interesting subject today. But before we do that, I would like to thank all of you, our listeners, who send us messages and uh, encourage us for what we were doing during the year. And we are here today to start a brand new study. And we are not taking holidays. To approach Bible study, you need to be uh, ready anytime. And we are happy to be with you today. And I'd like you to feel welcome today. Our panel today, I would like to just introduce uh, each one of the members of the panel. We are uh, a bit short today, but still, uh, as I said here, not taking holidays. And I'd like to say hello to Lija right here next to me. Thank you for coming to this Bible study, Lija. That's a privilege to be here. Welcome, uh, Harvey, also. Thank you, Harvey. Hi, Nick, and greetings to all, and Happy New Year. Just uh, happy to to be together for this uh, new year again. And thank you, Len, for uh, being our facilitator. Thank you for all your efforts, Len, um, in preparing these uh, Bible studies, and uh, you are always uh, welcome, and uh, I'll just hand the, the microphone right to you now. Okay, well... Very welcome. Listeners, although 2019 has already arrived, we, the team here in the studio, wish you all a happy and blessed New Year. For the next three months, we'll be studying the last book in the Bible, Revelation. Many people ignore this special book, claiming that it's too hard to understand. And yes... We agree it is different to most other books in the Bible because it's prophecy, but it can be understood. Revelation means a revealing. Many regard the book of Revelation as a concealment. We hope to open up to you new insights into this book and we hope you will tune in each week. Before we start, we're going to have prayer. Ledger, would you like to pray for us and the listeners? Graciously, Father in heaven, we are coming here before you as we open the book of Revelation for study. Father, please bless us with your Holy Spirit and wisdom to have a clear understanding of the Bible prophetic interpretation. Please, Father, bless every soul that hears these words because the book of Revelation, it's a, an interesting and meaningful book of the Bible, and we really need to understand, to prepare ourselves for the soon return of Jesus. Father, we're placing ourselves in your hands, and please place your holy words on our hearts and minds and lips to be able to discuss these things and uh, give us wisdom and uh, understanding to bring you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Harvey, what are the first few words of Revelation? That will be chapter 1 and verse 1. Yes, the very first few words is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel 
to his servant John. So what are the first, just the first few words? The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's interesting. Here it says this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listeners, I'm going to take you back to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. And the wording is very similar. And here I'll read it to you. Mark 1 verse 1 says the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, there is a relationship here. Mark says this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's the gospel. Whereas revelation says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to put it to you that the gospel of Jesus Christ, as recorded in the book of Mark, has much in its um, meaning or as revelation does. It's a different revelation. Mark reveals the first coming of Jesus. Revelation reveals the second coming of Jesus. Lydia, I know you've got something to share there. Would you like to share that with the listeners? Yes. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 states the title of the book as the revelation of Jesus Christ. Actually, the word revelation comes from the Greek word apokalypsis, which is apokalypse, which means uncovering or unveiling. The apocalypse is an unveiling of Jesus Christ. It is both from Jesus and about him. While it came from God through Jesus Christ, the book testifies that Jesus is also the focus of its contents. The Apocalypse is his self-revelation to his people and an expression of his care for them. Jesus is the central figure of revelation. The book begins with him and also concludes with him. Okay, well, unlike what many people think, that the book of Revelation is too hard to understand, here we see that it's an unveiling or an opening up of another aspect of Jesus. Of course, many people get stuck on the fact that Jesus came and he died and rose again, but this shows another aspect of Jesus that's not shown, say, in the Gospels, which I've just quoted from before. Harvey, would you read Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2? And I know you read 1 before, but please read that again. Yes, yeah, sure. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all, all things that he saw. So here, the reason for writing the book has been given. What was the reason? It was to show God's people and show everyone, really, what was to shortly take place. And it was given to John, that's the Apostle John, on the island of Patmos, because John was banished to the Isle of Patmos, and in that time while he was there, the book of Revelation was written and given to him, as it says specifically, by one of the angels of God. 
In fact, uh, what happened to John was a little bit like what happened here in Australia. The first people who came to Australia, apart from the explorers and the Aborigines, were prisoners who were, uh, I think the word was transported, to be out of the way and they couldn't get into any trouble and that was their sentence. Well, John was on the island of Patmos and God revealed to him there what must soon take place. Thank you for that, Harvey. Nick, would you read the next verse in Revelation chapter 1? That's verse 3. And here it talks about some blessings. Sure, Len. Verse 3 reads like this. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Okay, so... Here are the blessings. There's a blessing for those who read the book of Revelation. There's a blessing for those who hear. And there's a blessing for those who take... To heart. Take it to heart, yes. So, you know, we're in for a lot of blessings here, folks, because you'll be hearing, we'll be reading, and we need to take it to heart. Well, now we're going to talk about the purpose of the book. And Ledger, would you read Deuteronomy 29, verse 29? The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Mm-hmm. I just read this, this uh, verse in this morning, and uh, I, it never came up in my mind so clearly now, Uh, like uh, never before because it says here that God doesn't reveal us all the things some things he keeps a secret from us Mm. so he reveals us only few things as much as we can understand and and as much as we can take in so I understand that uh, the revelation end time prophecies are not revealed to satisfy our obsessions Uh, or obsessive curiosity about the future but reveals um, only aspects of the future important to us to understand and they are disclosed to impress upon our seriousness of what will happen so that we will realize our dependence on God and in that dependence on Him we we will obey Him. Right, so really... What has been revealed to us in God's holy word, including the book of Revelation, is something where it says we can understand it. Of course, it requires a little bit more understanding than some of the other books. Have you ever thought what it would be like to describe a train, this is a train that goes along the railway line, to a group of primitive people who have never ever seen heard nor knew anything about a train would be very hard and I suspect that some of this stuff that we read in Revelation is a little bit like that there are things that we have not necessarily experienced in our lives that God has to give word pictures and mental imagery to help us understand. I think I remember my grandmother, uh, you know, when I was a little child, uh, we were talking, I grew up in a very remote area in northern Romania, in Transylvania, and uh, probably when I was 
maybe five years old or more, I saw the first time uh, some sort of engine, you know, like a car or something. I grew up with no electricity and uh, all sorts of things like that. And my grandmother, she was fascinated by the thing that in the Bible it says that we'll see birds with an iron pick. And it is in the Bible somewhere written, and I can't think of the text right now, but it is in the Bible. And she said she couldn't believe some such a verse, you know, until she could see uh, an aeroplane. And she could associate that thing, you know. It's amazing how, uh, as you just said, Len, if you tell somebody things which you never experience, it's very hard to comprehend. But the interesting thing about the revelation is that Jesus says that will tell us all the things beforehand that when we'll see happening, then we'll be encouraged to believe in him. Because the, the main problem with people on this earth is that they are short to believe yes now in those ver- in that verse that led you read from Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 it says that God reveals to us that we might be able to understand now there's another question that goes with this one when you read the book of Revelation is it made up is it from somebody's imagination anybody Actually, it's not from the imagination because John, to John it was given this vision and he could see with his own eyes because the angel came to him and he, he saw and whatever the angel asked him, write down, put it down. So it was a vision to him, it was not imagination. So the vision was given by Jesus to him. Right, the source was the, God himself. Yes. It wasn't just some stuff that made is made up. Therefore... And this is what the uh, what I'm trying to impress on you, listeners. It's important that we realise this is a message from God. Therefore, we would do well. We would be able to re- will receive a blessing as we understand it. Harvey, what did you want to say here? Yeah, I've got a passage here I'd like to read. It says, The primary purpose of biblical prophecies is to assure us that no matter what the future brings, God is in control. Revelation does just that. It assures us that Jesus Christ is with his people throughout this world's history and its alarming final events. Consequently, Revelation's prophecies have two practical purposes, to teach us how to live today and to prepare us for the future. Revelation's end-time prophecies are not revealed to satisfy our obsessive curiosity about the future. The book reveals only those aspects of the future important for us to know. They are disclosed to impress upon us the seriousness of what will happen so that we will realise our dependence on God and in that dependence obey him. Thank you, Harvey. Nick, in John chapter 14 and verse 29, Jesus was speaking about prophecy. Now, before you read the verse... I want to ask you the question. Jesus said why prophecy was important. The answer is given in there. What is it? Read the verse and then perhaps you could answer the question. I'm reading from New King James Version and uh, verse 29 says, And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, 
you may believe I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Interesting, Len, um, as you ask uh, about uh, this verse, uh, Jesus is talking primarily to his disciples and to the people who are, you know, who are surrounding him, saying that, uh, you know, I have many things to tell you, but uh, in other parts of the Bible it says, but you are not even prepared to, to receive it or to understand it. But I will tell things, and he is, he is referring to the prophetic message, that when you'll see all these things which I'm telling you now coming to fulfillment, then you'll understand that what I did for you here and what was my purpose to come on this earth, it was true because there were many people scoffing Jesus, you know, in, in his time, saying all sorts of things about him being even an imposter, you know, like somebody to claim all sorts of things that he's God and so on. But Jesus is giving this assurance to his people and understand that what I'm telling you, when you see all these things fulfilling, you'll understand that uh, my coming is near also. Mm. When prophecy is fulfilled, then it confirms somebody's faith. Now, I think we've mentioned this on air a long, long time ago. Some years ago in the last century, there was somebody here in Adelaide called John Nash who made a prediction that Adelaide at a certain time was going to suffer a tidal wave, a, a tsunami. A lot of people left Adelaide at that time. I heard people went on a short holiday to Melbourne so they wouldn't be around when the tsunami came in. Well, the tidal wave didn't come and John Nash went. He went over to Western Australia where he made some more crazy predictions. How much confidence can, would people put in any prophecy made by John Nash? None, none, at, none at all. None at all. He's an imposter. However, Jesus was saying, look, with me, I've told you these things that are coming in the future. When you see that they do come, you will realize that my message is authentic, that I am authentic. And in this study we're having of Revelation, there are things that have already come to pass, which gives us confidence to understand that this is truth, truth from the throne of God. Well, anyhow, we're going to look at another aspect now. It's called the symbolic language of Revelation. And this is an important thing, because sometimes symbols give greater meaning than just mere words. You've heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, we have symbolic things that help us to understand. Lydia, would you read Revelation chapter 13, verse 1? And here is John in a vision, and he sees something. It's one of these symbols. So what's that say? And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Yes, the Revelation, it's a very symbolic uh, book. So what it means, dragon? Dragon is like a beast, a creature. It means, I think it represents something. It represents, uh, because it's a dragon, represents power, political power, economical power, religious power, maybe all together, combined. Okay. okay. Well, the dragon, of course, is fairly um, 
fearful, mm. a fearful image. And where John said, And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his thorns, and on each head a blasphemous name. In this case, the dragon means something. The beast means something. Or in the, also, in this case, a dragon means a power. Like, like what? Harvey, could you give an example of some of these powers that exist or have existed in the world? Yes, so we talk about uh, political power. We say that, say, the President of the United States is considered the most powerful person on earth because of what he has under his um, command. Um, and we look back through history and we see the Roman power. It lasted for so long, many centuries, and it was the preeminent power in the world. And we have other sorts of power, as was mentioned, Lydia mentioned before. Even church groups can be a power, but they're a religious power, although they can actually mix into political power as well, mm. as it's happened in history. And uh, so we have all sorts of power. We have the power to think. You know, that becomes a power in its own right. The power of people. And I think when the Philippines, after Marcos, they had the yellow revolution, and that was a power of the people. All right. In this case, it's really talking about a noun type thing. So as you mentioned there before, um, a political power, a church group might be a power. There are other things like Greenpeace and so on, which is a force to be reckoned with. And this is what the beasts as um, have been described in Revelation, and later we'll look at Daniel and Ezekiel, as there are beasts mentioned there. Lena, I would like just from the verse which you referred to about horns or heads, you know, of the beast, just to give a bit of a perspective, you know, to the study, because in Revelation we'll uh, come across many times, uh, like, beasts, animals, horns, waters, multitudes, and so on. Just for these two things, I would like to approach the Bible. When you think about head, what's the first thing which comes in your mind when you think about something specific in the Bible in terms of head? For example, in Daniel chapter 2, when we have the, the dream of the king, and Daniel came and explained to the king the, the dream, you know, and the interpretation of the dream. The head represented himself like a kingdom, like a ruler. We can think in Ezekiel, for example, horns, something which represents power. The Bible explains itself what all these things mean. All right, we were talking about um, some of these images, beasts and dragons and whatnot. But you know, the Bible gives its own rule. Nick, would you read Isaiah 28 verses 10 and 13 to see what the Bible has to say? Sure, Len. Verse 10 says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And in verse 13 actually just uh, reiterates the same thing. But the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept, 
precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, little here, little there, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. It's interesting that the last part of the verse uh, talks about those people who, even though they have the word of God in front of them, they choose not to believe. But actually the Bible is so clear and the Bible will explain itself. And in some other parts of the Bible, actually, it supported the same principle. And that's exactly right. In Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, it speaks that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible explains itself, as Nick so very aptly mentioned. The Bible explains itself, but you have to go searching sometimes. Yes, it's not a bad idea when you go searching to have a concordance which gives uh, all the words, well, if it's an exhaustive concordance, it gives all the words, but you will get various words and say, for example, beasts, horns, you can find other references that refer to that, like uh, Lydia read from Revelation, beasts and horns are mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 1 and also Daniel chapter 7. And so by link linking those together, you can come up with an understanding of what it's all about. Now, Lydia, I know you've got something here you would like to share. For the most uh, part, the language used to describe Revelation's prophecies must not be interpreted lit literally. As a rule, the reading of the Bible in general presupposes a literal understanding of the text, unless the text points to intended sy symbolism. But when we read Revelation, unless the text points to a literal meaning, we need to interpret it symbolically. While the scenes and events predicted are real, they usually were expressed in symbolic language. Okay, so it's not so unusual to use symbolic languages, uh, language. We do it in our own modern secular speech. For example, we might talk of somebody being a shark or somebody else is a mouse. Somebody else might be a cock, a snake in the grass, a wolf, an owl, a fox and so on. Harvey, what imagery comes to your mind with these beasts? Well, we have the concept of a shark you mentioned. That usually means somebody who can take your money from you. <laughs> it's usually something that provides ruin, and financial is very often what it is. We also, a mouse is somebody that's timid, just like a little mouse, or shy. A cock is someone who wants the centre of attention. A snake dangerous, deceitful person, a wolf, cunning, out to destroy, an owl, we talk about as wise as an owl, or fox, cunning, or sly. Each of them have symbolic meanings which most people actually understand. Yes, and so the beasts and so on mentioned in Revelation is not so unusual we use those sort of terminologies in our normal everyday speech. Now we're going on to another section now. 
It's called the Godhead. Legit, it was customary back when Revelation was written to put a greeting at the beginning of a letter instead of the end. Would you read Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 and 5? And then I want to ask you a couple of questions after that. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. All right, thank you. So who is the greeting from? The greeting is actually from, which it says, the Eternal Father, exactly as he says, the one who was and is and is to come. And uh, also refers over there the seven spirits. Uh, it says that the, Holy, the seven spirits refers to the Holy Spirit. Actually, in the scripture, the number seven is a number of fullness. So the seven spirits means the Holy Spirit who is active in all seven churches. Actually, this image refers to the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit and his constant work among God's people through history, uh, impelling them to fulfill their calling. Okay, there's um, still somebody to go. Who's the other one? Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the king of the earth. All right, so here we have identified the eternal father, the seven spirits before the throne, and Jesus Christ. Now, Lidia's already explained a little bit about the seven spirits before the throne. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Nick, it talks about the Father, the Son, and perhaps you could read it, and then maybe that'll give a bit more sense to this. This is a very well-known passage, Len, from the last chapter in Matthew, and the second to last uh, verse, actually, in this chapter, which is the Great Commission, uh, which many people are pointing out to. And it says here, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And I'll read verse 20 also, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And yo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so really to summarize this, the greeting given in the beginning of the book of Revelation is from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Harvey, it gives some titles there with reference to Jesus, the Son. That would be in verse 5. What are those titles? And could you explain them, please? Yeah, sure. Faithful witness. Now, the faithful witness was Jesus, and this is, all of these are Jesus, but faithful witness says really that he came to earth to show us the Father to show what the Father was like. And then it's the firstborn of the dead. Now, some people would say, well, he wasn't the first to ra be raised from the dead, but he was the first to be raised from the dead and have victory over death in himself. He was the primary one 
because he has gained the victory for all of us. So it's the primary, we could say the firstborn or the primary one that has won the victory over, the de over death. And he's also the ruler of kings of the earth. In fact, when Jesus comes again, he's not coming as a little baby. The Bible clearly says that he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming with absolute authority and power. It will not be in any way a timid approach to the earth like perhaps we could say a, a little baby was when he came to earth as a baby. But he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. You know, there's a certain assurance in these greetings. The fact that these greetings come from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The assurance to me basically says, well, you can, you can believe them. These things are trustworthy. If I read from Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, it says, He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So it's important um, that we understand this comes from the highest authority. And then you're going to read Revelation 22, 6 for us, Lydia? Actually, I was about to read Romans 1, 7, which is a similar greeting as the previous one. Uh, and it says... To all in Rome who are loved by God are called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Revelation 22.6 says, The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. There is no doubt that this, the message of revelation is trustworthy and true and we can believe it. It's not some made up stuff. It comes direct from God. Mm. And Len, just before we move on, uh, I would like to just mention uh, about this uh, section which we talked about the Godhead because it's one of the things which are very much challenged in uh, Christendom right now. There are people who don't believe uh, in the divinity of Jesus Christ, for example. There are other people who don't believe in, in the Holy Spirit. And thinking that the, because you don't find that terminology in the Bible, like the Trinity or Triune and things like that, but it's interesting that the Bible talks about each of these um, personality if you like, of the Godhead. And we are talking about here about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Very clear in the Bible, we have references to these uh, personalities. We may need to come back maybe and do a program only on the Godhead, you know, to be able to explain a little bit more in detail. But as you pointed out, Len, is for us it's important to understand that as we deal with the um, book of Revelation for our study, God is not leaving us uh, in darkness, to say so. But God is giving us tools to yeah. understand the prophetic language of this book. And this is what is important. Good. Thank you. Yes, um, it was good. Revelation, of course, is about Jesus Christ. It says at the beginning, the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have seen Jesus revealed in the Gospels, but this is a different revelation. This is about his second coming. 
And the second coming has been called the keynote. I would like to call it the hinge pin. The You know how people have got a um, towing ball on the back of their cars and they put the trailer on the back. The hinge pin or the towing ball is the very important thing. If you don't have that, you don't have the trailer or the caravan with you. So the hinge pin or the keynote of Revelation is about the coming of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 verses 7 and 8, Harvey. If you wouldn't mind reading that, please. Yeah, sure. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And we could read on into another verse, group of verses in John 14, 1 to 3, to show that Jesus actually promised himself that he would return. John 14, verses 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Well, we don't really need to uh, have too many questions about who's coming again. The important thing is this as far as I'm concerned, is the, well, we've called it the hinge pin, the keynote, the toe ball. It's the, the, the blessed hope. It's got other things. The coming of Jesus is going to be a great event in the, in the whole universe. Lydia, in the book of Daniel, which is very much linked with Revelation, what does Daniel write? about the one who was coming. That's from Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power, all peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Okay, so Nick, from those verses that Lydia read, is the coming of Jesus going to be a secret? Absolutely not, uh, Len. It will be so clear and well-known and visible uh, that every eye shall see him. And uh, as the Bible puts it, from as, um, as the lightning, you know, comes from the east to the west, that's how the coming of uh, Jesus Christ will, will be also. Because um, interesting enough that we're talking about in Daniel, in Revelation, particularly the book of Revelation, but also connected with the book of Daniel. Both books are prophetic books, talks in symbolic language and both of them referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ and our preparation for this great event. Why is that? Because so many people are coming with their own ideas of the end of this 
earth or world and with the coming of Jesus, how it is. And Jesus himself warned us that many false Christs will come, even to the, to the level of imitating his second coming. And, and that Satan himself, he will um, come himself, prepare himself as an angel of light to come and deceive as many as possible. And yeah. as the Bible puts it, even if it's possible, even the elect. Now, the coming of Jesus was a, a much looked forward to and is a much looked forward to event. But it mentions about people who mourn with his coming. Nick, why do people mourn? Len, uh, that's a very good question. I believe because uh, when you will uh, come face to face to the reality which you ignored or you... You know, you disobeyed, to put it in other words, in all your life when the Bible was trying to to tell you, to show you uh, what God wants f- for you. And you ignore all those things and you come face to face to the reality. And people will really mourn. And as the Bible puts it, will even cry out to the to the mountains and the hills and the rocks, you know, to fall upon them and to cover them, uh, not to see the glorious... Uh, event of uh, of the coming of Jesus Christ. Why should people know about Jesus and the second coming and not to be put in that position of uh, regretting? Because that will be too late. Mm. Now is the time to really pull together, to, you know, to change our attitude towards uh, God's word mm. and to God towards God's teachings and to receive in our heart to be prepared for that glorious event. Now, I've heard some people talking about, oh, no, that's okay. There will be a second chance. Harvey, what's the Bible say about second chance? Well, I suppose we could look at it two ways here. Currently, we get a lot more than just two chances. We get lots of chances. I think none of us would be sitting here if we didn't get lots of chances. But by the time Jesus comes back, the second chances are all finished. There will be no second chance. Once Jesus has arrived and he has come to take his own back to heaven, there is no chance for anybody who has missed out at that point. In fact, later on in the book of Revelation, and I'm sure we'll be dealing with it later on, it speaks about that there is a time coming when the Lord himself will say, let the righteous remain righteous and the wicked remain wicked. That's in my words, but it's very similar to that. And so that's a point in time past which there will be no second chances. Well, some people need lots of second chances, I think. I have. (laughs) Like thousands of them. That's interesting about that, the concept of the second chance is... We understand and we, Harvey, you pointed out that uh, we had so many chances and thank God for giving us uh, these chances. But I would like to bring a verse from the Bible in um, uh, Psalm 95, which says, Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your heart. Mm. You see, our chance is today, actually. Our chance, we cannot take it as a chance to say, you know what, I've got some business to do right now and for the next few years and, uh, you know, to look after my family and do other things. And But I will come. 
I will come to give my life to God and I will, uh, will follow you, God. And I remember one of my uh, friends uh, back in Romania uh, sharing with me his story. He was about 30 years old and he was approached by somebody else, you know, to give his heart to God and said, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in God, but you know what? I will give my heart to God when I will uh, retire. He was thinking that he has a lot of things to do before that. And interesting enough that in short time he got very sick and he was to the point of losing his life because he had a, he needed a transplant, you know, like a liver transplant. And he shared with me, I'll just bring this story short. He said, you know what? At 30 years of age, God brought me to the retirement and I had to give my life to God. Yeah. And he, you know, be careful what you're saying and don't, uh, you know, don't um, say things which uh, will put you in a position of regretting what you're saying. In this case, with the example I gave, it was a, a very good uh, example and, and a chance, a second chance for this uh, young man who gave his heart fully to God and he's a follower of Jesus right now and do whatever he can to bring as many people to God, to the knowledge of, of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Well. There's not going to be second chances forever. So um, the wise thing is if you understand and know, then you will have a blessing as you receive the words of the Bible into your heart and give your heart to the Lord. Revelation is an important book as it describes the events leading up to the coming of Christ. In Matthew 24:42, which I'd love you to read in a moment, Ledger, Jesus gave some counsel about the time, or the leading up to the time of his coming. What did he say? Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And verse 44 says... So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So we are invited here to watch and be ready, to remain mentally, spiritually alert, being active and not passive. Okay, yes, have. I think there's a point that needs to be made here too, is that too often people think that Jesus is coming in some secret way. We've mentioned it already today that it's going to be every eye shall see him. He's going to come like the lightning that shines from the east as unto the west. Very visible. But there are texts in the Bible that people could misunderstand where Jesus speaks about his coming being like a thief in the night. A thief in the night, we say, comes secretly. It's not that he comes secretly, but for some people, the thief comes unexpectedly. Because if we knew that he was coming, we'd be aware of it and we'd be ready for them. And he may get a very bad reception when he arrives. But the thing is, Jesus, when he says that he's coming as a thief in the night, unfortunately for a lot of people, he's going to come unexpectedly when we least expect him, in fact. But the situation is, of course, that Jesus made it very clear. It's not going to be just visible. It's going to be audible. It's going to be in every way 
something that is beyond our imagination to say the least we speak about him coming in clouds what are the clouds that he's coming in it's clouds of angels all the angels are coming back with him and the bible clearly says that there's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels you imagine the glory well we can't begin to imagine it actually but when Jesus rose from the dead just one angel came down and rolled away the stone covering his burial place and the soldiers that were there to guard him just by having one angel near them they just fell down like dead men and so just imagine what it's going to be like when billions of angels and the glory that they bring and Jesus himself it's just going to be beyond our imagination so I think it's a very different concept to the to something to say that it's going to happen where nobody knows it's just going to happen and it's, we're going to be gone uh-huh. yeah Harvey there I I myself agree with uh, what you just said, you know, and unfortunately there will be so many people unprepared for that glorious event. And that's why uh, we are looking uh, into this uh, wonderful book, you know, The Revelation of Jesus Christ, and talking about uh, the way he will come and talking about also the situation in which people will be at the end of the time, you know. People will be running through and fro, you know, doing all sorts of things, but not being prepared for uh, for that glorious event. And that's our chance. We are talking about some chances today, and that's our chance now to really uh, get acquainted, if you like, with the uh, Bible and with the prophecies and to be able to read, if you like, the times and the events which are uh, happening because Jesus himself told his disciples and told the people, you know, uh, around him, how well do you know to read the times, the um, heaven, you know, in the uh, sunset, you know, reddish, you'll know that tomorrow will be uh, a good day or something like that. And, And Jesus said to them, you know, you are like hypocrites, you know, you know how to read the times of the weather-wise and other things, but you don't know the times of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And probably this is where we are facing that problem, a lack of knowledge of God. I like that expression that you used, Nick, to read the times. Um, I play golf early in the morning. Sometimes the flags are not even out. And quite often a comment is made, These greens are hard to read today. But you see, in the book of Revelation, we are given clues as to uh, reading the times because, as we said before, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ in his second coming. We observed uh, in this study that uh, this revelation of the book was given for the guidance and comfort of the church throughout the Christian dispensation. So a revelation is something that is revealed. The Lord himself also revealed to his servant uh, the mysteries contained in this book and uh, he designed that they shall be open to the study of all people. Its truths are addressed to those living in the last days of this earth's history as well as to those living in the days of John 
Some of the scenes depicted in this prophecy are in the past, some are now taking place, and some bring to view the close of the great conflict between the powers of darkness and the Prince of Heaven, and some reveal the triumphs and joys of the redeemed in the earth made new. I would like every one of us to remain with this. Let none think, because they cannot explain the meaning of every symbol in the revelation that is useless for them to search this book in an effort to know the meaning of the truth it contains. But the one who revealed these mysteries to John will give the diligent searcher for truth a foretaste of heavenly things. Those whose hearts are opened to the reception of truth will be enabled to understand its teachings and will be granted the blessings promised to those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in. Okay, thank you, Lydia. You know, listeners, we do not have a definite time of Jesus' return. But many of the prophesied events in Revelation have already come to fruition. As we delve further into this marvellous book, we will see how close Jesus' return is. The panel and I count it a privilege to share with you from this wonderful book. And we hope you will join us next time about the one who stands among the lampstands. And until then, we wish you God's rich blessings. But before we go off air today, Harvey, would you like to pray? Sure. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can study your word. We thank you that you have given us the book of Revelation. The very title means something that is revealed, not hidden. And we pray that as we study into this book that the truths therein will shine brighter and brighter so that we will not be caught in an unexpected situation because we know what's going to happen we won't don't know the exact time of course because the bible clearly says that but we do know it's going to happen and help us to be ready for that time for jesus sake we pray amen amen Thank you very much, uh, uh, all who participated to this uh, Bible study. And um, thank you for uh, you of uh, tuning in with us. Please stay with us and um, be prepared for even next uh, Bible studies to have a pen and piece of paper because we are going to really uh, hit some uh, interesting uh, verses and interpretation of this book of Revelation. May God bless you. Have a wonderful day.